You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This Digital Noise episode also is a video version for subscribers at the brown coat level or above. Become a subscriber and get the extended video version. from glorious nation of Austin, Texas. Welcome to my show, Digital Noise. Here's my cohort. They call him Papa Bear. Isn't that adorable? Hello. <laughs> Today we've been talking about the films from decadent American nation about killing people and horrible mutations. Yes, it's much like glorious home of Austin, Texas. It's good. We would make a good team doing that, man. They should be like they should cast us in Borat Three as like his like nephews or something. That's apparently coming out like this week. I did not realize that. I just saw it. Like yeah. like not twenty minutes ago I finished it. I, I knew it was coming out soon. I'm I'm really excited to see uh, Giuliani fondle himself. That is Dude. strangely become the thing that I'm most looking forward to the this whole, day. And that's a fucked up situation. The whole Giuliani sequence, <clears throat> your mouth will just be open. I was like like holy shit! I can't, this guy. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> but can't we're not wait. reviewing <clears throat> Borat today. No. We're not. We're we're reviewing a stack of movies though that are, let's see, pretty much horror movies. Yep, yep, pretty yeah, much horror yeah. movies. If we straight time, down the middle. What'd you say? I said straight down the low. The whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, we we got a big stack, and part of that is because we got a big box set. This week from Blumhouse, the Blumhouse of Horrors 10 movie collection. I'm not going to say we went back and rewatched every single one of them. We you know, watched some of them. I, I watched a fair bit more than I intended to initially. And Me I will too. also admit, I had a moment <clears throat> while watching that Blumhouse horror set where I learned to appreciate uh, bad studio horror in a way that I hadn't before. And like, it, it was a nice zen moment in my old age. It was it was nice. My I mean, old age of 36, that is. Well, yes, you're just so advanced. <laughs> you're just the Methuselah. <clears throat> Methuselah Jr. Back in my day. <laughs> I could tell you some stories. I You've probably heard them all already by now. But uh, I keep wondering when someone's like, tell me a weird thing that happened to you that no one would believe. I'm like, I've already told all those stories. Yeah, yeah, no, that doesn't exist anymore. People will believe anything about either of us now. Yeah. I used to be an animated character. Like, <laughs> I was born a mannequin. <laughs> I was born a poor black child. <laughs> wow, that's the one? <laughs> it's... 
Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go I don't know, it. Steve Martin. I just suddenly had this immediate image of you in the opening to the jerk, and it was just like, yes, yes, that that's exactly what I need in my life as Chris Cox singing the blues with his black family. You know, Borat basically got his whole gig, the whole gimmick from Steve Martin. Like, remember that we were two wild and crazy guys. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Anyway, before we get started, I'm just going to give another shout out to my friend who runs Agronautics. That is, uh, let me double check. I want to say it's agronautics.com. Yes, it is agronautics, A-G-G-R-O-N-A-U-T-I-X.com. That makes cool punk rock and scary bobblehead figures. This is another one that I have here. This is uh, G.G. Allen. Who's like one of the most horrifying p- people in the history of music. Uh, like this is a collection for people who like extreme things. Now, if you'll notice, there's it a thing Gigi here at his feet. Oh, no. it's <laughs> For those of you uh, who are listening and not watching, which, by the way, you should subscribe and watch. We're, we're pretty. We're, we're... But there's poop. There's poop on this thing. It is delightful. Yes, there's a bobblehead poop. He used to poop on stage and then throw it at the audience. I there's a story I haven't told. How I was hanging out at this bar in town called Emos. Right next door was this other bar that I'm blanking on the name of, but it was kind of like a shithole. And they would get the super grungy bands, and even Emos, which was a punk rock club, would be like, "Mm, I don't know. So they had Gigi Allen there one night. Gigi Allen, like I said, famously spits, pisses, poops, he vomits, he's disgusting. And you chose to go to his shows? No. I was hanging out at Emo's, and my buddy who worked at this other club is like, dude, I will pay off your whole bar tab tonight if you come and help me clean up, because I just want to get out of there fast. He's not telling me (laughs) it's Gigi Allen, right? I'm like, yeah, sure. So, you know, we leave, I go over there, and immediately the smell hits me. And I was like... Who played here tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I don't know that I believe you. That you walked into the club, smelled human shit, and went, Gigi Allen. No, I didn't. I I was like, something's wrong. Something's off. I mean, this club doesn't always smell great, but like, there's poop. And he's like, it was Gigi Allen. I was like, fuck you, man. Deal's off. Here's your money back. (laughs) Good luck. Don't shit where you work. <laughs> oh. Anyway, we are here to talk about movies. So let's talk about movies. We're not going to start off with Blumhouse of Horrors. We're going to talk about a film that was kind of a real life horror that turned into sort of a sweet story and then was also really sad. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And that's <laughs> The Elephant Man. Which, this is my first time seeing this movie, by the way. This was a new Lynch experience. I went into this really curious what it was going to be like, knowing it was like early Lynch, but still one of his more successful and impactful movies. Yeah, it's like his film he made after uh, Eraserhead, yeah. weirdly. He went right from Eraserhead, which is this tiny little self-financed, really <laughs> disturbing, really abstract art film, art horror film, to being given a major studio deal to adapt the story of the Elephant Man, Joseph Merrick, although the film calls him John Merrick, which was an honest mistake, I believe, because there was a very famous story written about him in the newspapers that had changed his name to John Merrick. So it was like, okay. But, I mean, this is like produced by Mel Brooks. I mean, this is like, this was kind of a big deal when it came out. It was even a huge financial success, a huge critical success. 
eight Academy Award nominations. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor. I mean, and then there was a lot of criticism for not having, uh, for no honor for the makeup effects for it, which are incredible. They literally created the Academy Award for Best Makeup and Hairstyling the following year because of all the outcry about it. That's crazy. All right. And this is, like I said, Lynch, this guy, ultimate weirdo, David Lynch. I mean, if you've ever seen Razorhead, you'll be like, how in the fuck did that guy get a major studio deal to make a movie? (laughs) And it goes right to this in 1980, and you watch it, and you would, other than it being black and white, you would never think, this is the same guy. Yeah, well, that's because it's Lynch doing, it's Lynch starting to do what Lynch has done best, which is pitch that early film aesthetic. You know, he's gotten into the 50s, and this is very much what I think he purged with the Lumiere project he did, Mm -hmm. where he's filming this like you would film a movie that came out in the same era that this individual like like very early film um really simple tracking shots his sets are amazingly gorgeous in this movie they're dense and packed and filled with life um i started this kind of going in wondering what it was going to be like how traditional it was going to be and it's definitely lynch eschewing more with a mainstream sensibility but there's no doubt that it's a david lynch movie it begins with like the soul moving through the stars and it cuts to swirling clouds of emotion several times it's it's undoubtedly lynchian but it this is a beautiful movie just i i adored the heck out of it my wife came in and she watched half of the last half of it with me basically uh, not too terribly long before everything goes horribly horribly wrong at the end <laughs> yes the story follows anthony hopkins who plays a very young anthony hopkins it'll make you feel so old watching this as well so uh, baby-faced yeah who plays a doctor uh he finds hear stories of John Merrick, a.k.a. the Elephant Man, who suffered from elephantitis, whose whole head was this huge explosion of not nonstop growing bone and flesh, who literally can't even sleep lying down because he would asphyxiate. But he's worked as a, he's working as a circus freak. I mean, what else was he supposed to do at this period of time? This is at the same time as, like, Jack the Ripper, right? Yeah. And he offers to pay him if he allows him to examine the man in the hospital, the guy to pay the guy running the circus. So he brings him in the famously on the cover with a bag over his head. Uh, And slowly after assuming that he must be like an, uh, an imbecile realizes he's not, he's actually incredibly well read. He's very religious, but not in a crazy modern day sort of sense. He has faith. Yes. And it starts despite some really horrible people who are still trying to find ways to make money to exploit him, it starts being this really human story about the just pure and good soul inside of this man. It's, it's very sad. It's very disturbing. It's very beautiful. And it also, to me, I've seen this movie several times in my life, feels a little dated at this point in terms of it's, it's like, it's all, it gets a little cheesy quite frankly (laughs) at least for me i was like this is kind of corny in the third act i mean you're not wrong it it very much is it it only worked for me because it had that push to an early film sensibilities like the early days of silent film only with more modern cameras so like that 
there was a certain amount of theatricality with the performances, which basically means overacting, that I expected and went with because of the aesthetic. Like, that didn't end up really bothering me. Though, it is very much a movie of a bygone era. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, John Hurt plays the Elephant Man, which you couldn't, you, impossible to tell. There's Did no not way know until tell. the credits came up. Right. And uh, this <laughs> also stars Anne Bancroft, Croft, John Gilgood. It's, it's kind of an essential watch out completely outside of being a David Lynch fan. Uh, I mean, it really is. There's a lot of stuff here that is worth deeply worth admiring. And I'm really glad that Criterion is the one who chose to put this out because they struck a brand new 4K transfer for this thing from the original negative. So it looks incredible. It's, you know, in a gorgeous book, as always, with a full booklet with interviews from Lynch from uh, 2005 and from uh, from an interview with him and then a book Lynch on Lynch, which you ever get a chance to. There's a whole it's series a of books book. that are like director on director. You know, it's like Cronenberg yeah. on Cronenberg, Lynch on Lynch, Lynch, that sort of thing. They're all out of print, but they're all fucking fantastic. It's just yeah. like a whole book book sized thing of just a straight up interview with said people about every detail of their career and how they work. And they're just wonderful. I do, in fact, have the Lynch on Lynch one. Shocker. But <laughs> this has a uh, series of interviews that are archival with John Hurt, Frank Connor, who was the stills photographer on the film, uh, Jonathan Sanger at the BFI, a Q&A sec- uh, session with the producer, uh, and then an interview with David Lynch. That's with that one in particular, which is obviously the gold one to go to. Here's uh, 25 minutes. It was from 2009. There's also a lot more older archival stuff on here as well that's brought in. Uh, it's a solid package of stuff here for vintage radio uh, uh, spots. I mean, if you haven't seen this, now you've got no excuse. Yeah. I mean, this is a wonderful set. In fact, last week, when I wasn't sure if this was going to make the cut or not, it was probably going to be my pick of the week. Oh, denied. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So we are going to move on, as soon as I click some buttons, into the Blumhouse of Horrors. Insert sound of thunder and lightning. (laughs) Ten movie collection. Ka-ching is what you mean. What'd you say? I said ka-ching. Yeah. Uh, the, so part of my moment of understanding of cheap trash cinema was watching this and being halfway through and going like, you know, like these, on the whole, like none of the, not too many of these are terribly atrocious, but yeah. eh, they're all okay. And then I started Googling like how much they cost versus how much they made. And I think the movie that had the worst performance made 10 times its budget back. Yeah. It's, he goes and it's very just much- like from the Roger Corman school of, of uh, film production. And often it pays off in spades. Now he's not paying quite as little or making them as cheap sure. looking as Corman does with today's technology. You don't have to make a film look cheap looking. People are making films with fucking iPhones these days, but he does, he gets results. Even if it's like a roll the dice to see if this one's going to be the huge money-making hit, like get out. Or if it's going to be a tiny film, nobody gives a shit about like the boy next door. Right. Yeah. Uh, the boy next door are, of made a lot of money. <laughs> you know, there's, going through this, all right, so I, I talk about this a lot. Whenever you start seeing huge sets of films that were high-profile films coming out from a company being released, it's almost always because there's a new generation of 
uh, media that's out, which in this case is 4K, and they're just trying to get rid of the stock of Blu-rays they have. And this is all Blu-rays in this set. So this is them going, well, we got a bunch of these in the warehouse. Yep. I feel like anybody who's going to buy these has bought them. So, but maybe now they're like, oh, but there's like three in there I really want. And I could get rid of my old collection, my old uh, singular copies. I get that, man. There's, so, there's more than enough in this set to say... Wow, this is worth getting to have these movies, even if it happens to come with a couple just total fucking oh clunkers God. that anyone would be embarrassed to have in their collection. Yeah, agreed. I, I was going to ask, are we going to go through movie by movie, or do we just want to talk damn, about it as a group? Damn straight, we're going to go through movie Let's by movie. Let's do this shit then. Well, it's Halloween month. Halloween. Halloween spoopy season. Oh, Lord. Those two are spooping. <laughs> uh, uh, the first one in here, and honestly, I never understood, even when this came out, why people were shitting on it. It did perform very well, but I remember lots of people were like, meh, what is the first purge. Now, I'm not like going it. to deny that the second purge blows the first purge out of the water. And even the third one is almost as good as the second one, maybe even better. Uh, depending on who you ask. The last one, not as much. But the TV series was really good. So, I mean, they've kind of taken this base concept that started with this 2013, very low budget, one house, basically, horror movie, sci-fi horror movie idea, and expanded it into a huge franchise. And, hey, man, good for you, right? Well, like, honestly, so here's the thing. Um, you're going to notice a trend in these first few movies where I think that the first movie is terrible and everything else that came after is pretty decent. Um, I really don't like the first Purge movie. Uh, okay. I think it's a great idea. And I think the actors are good. The cast is good. But it does some really stupid, tropey things um, that I never could glom off with. It, like, it just didn't feel right for the characters. I think that the sequel, you're right, like... Two is amazing. Three is pretty great. Four is, you know what? I pretend it's Purge One. It's okay. It's got a great lead. Yeah. The fourth one. You know, That's the I, I, I just, for it. I, I've forgotten this movie exists and I just consider that the first Purge movie. Um, so, like, <laughs> this is good. Like, if you like the slasher genre, if you enjoy that with a little bit of on the nose social commentary, it's fun when a movie is about something. This is a good movie to watch even though i don't like it i mean it sets up the very political profile of this series it's in it it's 2014 <laughs> so it's 2013 when this came out so it's like this is happening next year so this is this totalitarian political party are voted into office following an economic collapse so so far they're pretty dead on yeah the new uh, founding fathers i mean <coughs> republicans yeah um and they pass a law that says there's a purge for 12 hours each year once a year where all crime including the worst of crime murder rape, whatever, is legal during that period, except against government officials and emergency services. So it follows this guy who is a rich guy, played by Ethan Hawke and his wife, Lena Headley, and they're not really that afraid of what's going on, because they're rich. Yeah. But, oh no, this is the year that someone decides they are going to eat the rich. So it's a home invasion movie. It's, like I said, literally almost entirely in this one place here. Wait, wait. It's not the sorry. I I apologize for correcting you because it's not actually an eat the rich movie. It's a rich hunting the poor, and they hide the poor guy in their house, and it's the rich teens trying to destroy itself. Uh, so really, I guess you're right. It's the rich eating the rich, but yeah, I mean, like no one is safe. 
Sorry, I, I had to be the 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 comic book guy, you know. Well, actually, the idea, yeah, the idea <laughs> of don't you Aaron explain to me the, <laughs> the, the idea of what Republicans want becoming a thing is going to be destructive for everyone. It, yes. it will it will be it'll immolate the country if you establish the things that they want, which isn't to say the purge literally, but so. I actually did enjoy this. It's simple, but it worked for me. I mean, I remember one of the guys I was with was actually mad at me for liking it, but I think it's because it struck a chord with him. Oh. Uh, but it, it's a strong start, even though I would have preferred to have the other movies coming in here in this collection. So let me say before we go any further, these are all the original Blu-rays that came out. They're not new versions of them. So this is just coming with the previous stuff that came with the Blu-ray releases of these titles. There you go. And I'm not going to go through them all, is what I'm saying. <laughs> that was the upshot of that. So coming up next is another film that the sequel is considerably better for than the original, and that is the 2014 film Ouija. Man, and it's it's weird that this film, like I walked out of this hating it. So I rewatched Ouija and went, this isn't as bad as I remember it being. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but I, hating seems a little unreasonable. No, it, it's just boring it's not like offensive basically ouija tells the story of a haunted ouija board basically uh that is effectively terrorizing this family um it begins with a genuinely good scene um and then follows with about an hour of the characters trying to figure out what happens. And then it gets good again for 15 to 20 minutes and then ends. And and like, like that first five minutes and last 15 minutes are are genuinely good pieces of horror. Uh, And that hour in between is, is not so fun. It's very much following the recipe laid out by the American remake of the ring. It is just hitting every single spot along the way, the way that movie did plot wise of going like, you know, the way the friend people they know are being picked off, starting to realize that it is inevitable that it's going to come to them and believing this is really happening, going in and doing your microfiche research, finding someone who was, a, who was a survivor and thinking that you found an answer to everything only to find out that the answer has even made things worse. Like, yeah, it's, it's the ring, but, not good, <laughs> which the ring is. I once again, I like ghost movies. Ouija boards scare the fuck out of me. Although I really want one, I'm like, I want to have one just so I can stare at it and let it freak me out while I never, <laughs> never probably use it. I'll just be like, maybe today will be the day I pull out the Ouija board, and it probably maybe. will never happen. No, no. But this has uh, Olivia Cook in the lead, who. Uh, obviously has gone on to do many big things. She's one of the leads in Bates Motel. She was in Vanity Fair. She's kind of a big actress. But if you get a chance to choose either one, the prequel, Ouija Origin of Evil, which came out in 2016 and is uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, written by Mike Flanagan, is way, 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 way better. Yeah. Yeah. It's legit good. And then uh, what follows are, uh, are they two? No, one of the two Ant movies in this set that actually kind of made me angry. One of the two what films? There are two movies in this set that made me angry. Oh. Um, one of them uh, we'll get to later on, which which I have words. And then this next one, Unfriended. Yeah. Which, um, like the previous couple, the sequel is better. Um, yeah. I was shocked that I really enjoyed the sequel. Yeah. 
We saw it in so, the theater, and I was like, well, because back then we would just see anything they basically had a press screening for. It didn't matter how much we didn't want to see it. We'd be like, we're going. And yeah. I was like, unfriended. She's unfriended. was so bad. I, I was, was like, in that screening with you. I remember. <laughs> oh, we're okay. So unfriended yeah. dark web, which came out in 2018, four years after unfriended unfriended, just terrible, boring found footage type of thing, or, but a computer screen film, which is essentially just found footage. It's just a screencast. Yeah. On a MacBook. It, but it was so bad. I was like, Oh, we're just going to see the same movie again with different characters dying. And it was like, wow, this is really clever. Why didn't they do that the first time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hate to say it, like, there's nothing really to recommend about this movie for me. It was it was bad, through and through. The kills are bad, the story is bad. Um, and there is a point in the movie, about two-thirds of the way through, where shit has gone down. They are all aware of something is going on. The ghost boots them from the video call. So, like, it's done. They can leave. And they get back on the video call. Teenagers. Uh, like, the moment that happened, I was just like, oh my fuck you, movie, really? <laughs> you just can't keep them off their phones, man. You can try. Your, your like, kids are still the... like below teenage age yet. You don't even know, man. Once I sneak into your house at night and use the Ouija board all by myself, you'll see. Well, here's the thing. Like, oh, had this taken place in tw- had this taken place in 2020, it would have made sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a high school kid who uh, kills himself after somebody put a video online of her passing out and pooping on herself at a party that went viral. And then there's people basically trying to create a zoom party with all these people pre zoom that starts haunting them and killing them. And okay. You yeah. know, it's well, the gore is bad. The acting is bad. It's bad. <laughs> the gore is bad. The acting is bad. It's bad. Bad. Unfriended. <laughs> Another film, like, so far we're three for three for films that we really wish they had put the sequel on instead of the first one, which is something you don't usually say about any movie (laughs) genre except horror films. Well, and I noticed that, I don't know if you did this on purpose, but you seem to have stacked the front end with the the, the not necessarily good ones. (laughs) It's the order they were, they, they, I believe they come in the, the actual thing as you're going through. It's the order I saw with the official list on it. So, I don't know. now, I, I, can we talk about the next one? Because the next one's kind of special. Aw, you're going to get all sweet about The Boy Next Door, literally oh the God. worst film in this entire collection? Yes. I well, I hated this movie. Oh, it's yeah. an atrocious movie. It is abysmal front to end. It is sexist. So it, the plot basically in 30 seconds is Jennifer Lopez is a poor teaching wife who her husband cheated on her and she's trying to figure out if she wants to forgive him. They haven't slept together in like nine months. And basically sex on a stick 18 year old moves in next door and flirts with her. And she fucks the shit out of him. Like, you know, age difference is a thing, but go for it, girl. Um, (laughs) And he proceeds to single white female her and completely destroys every aspect of her life because how dare a woman get hers. Um, This movie is abysmal, offensive, and sexist, but it is so horribly bad that it has transcended into the room levels of we're going to watch this to hate on it because this is indeed the movie. I don't care who you are. You've heard of this where an 18 year old guy buys a teacher in middle America, a first edition book of the Iliad. It was the Iliad, right? Yeah. 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 Just like it. 
it's so bad. It's terrible. There's no redeeming value except maybe to get really drunk and watch it and laugh your way through it. You're going to be yelling at the screen. Have fun with it. It's a holiday special level movie. The critic from Time said, it's a rare movie about women and it's the bad movie Hollywood needs right now. It's perversely refreshing for its focus on women's issues. I'm like, what fucking movie did you see, dude? Because <laughs> I saw a movie that did exactly the opposite. This was one of the worst films of the year when it came out in 2015. I can't believe... I mean, I'm not shocked that they've still got stock of the Blu-rays of this thing because who in their right mind would actually buy this? I mean, you have to be one of those people who's just obsessed hey, hey. with either Jennifer Lopez or or the, the young hottie Ryan uh, Guzman in here when is that actually is he is he the son of uh the other guzman i i do not know i will say, say that so, so, so this is the movie where i transcended it was this and truth or dare where i was watching i watched the two of them back to back and was going i how i don't understand like i can't like my brain can't wrap its head around them existing as films fine we'll and get so to this we'll get to the second worst film so then, then, then I, I googled it and i was like oh my god this movie made like nine and a half times its budget back this movie was a bona fide hit which just <laughs> my head blows up at that i guess jennifer lopez in single white female like, makes uh puts butts in seats like here's the thing boy next door is a better or is a more lucrative movie than serenity and it is a more lucrative movie than scott pilgrim versus the world which just oh <laughs> the terrible hurts. world we live in <laughs> but, but also like good for good for blumhouse for legitimately finding the pulse of america with their with their shitty horror movies because their marketing department is like on point they go them <laughs> I mean, the second worst movie in the set, you said, is Truth or Dare, which came out in, also known as, what well, I think is one of the first films they put Blumhouses at the yep. beginning of the title. Blumhouses, Truth or Dare, came out in 2018, cost $3.5 million, made $95 million worldwide. Yep. So, and, obviously, a success. You and know, this is I the mean, other movie that pissed me off. I got but, so angry at this movie. But at least, like, the last one, Boy Next Door, is made by Rob Cohen, who's actually made a few good movies in his time. Yeah, he made he? the fast, first Fast and the Furious film. Has this is though? made by the atrocious Jeff Wadlow, who, let's see, uh, Kick-Ass 2, True <laughs> Memoirs of an International Assassin, Fantasy Island. Yeah, this guy sucks. And this movie sucks. In fact, there was a movie that came out from the side... Uh, the, I want to the say sci-fi. The sci-fi channel. It was sci-fi. It was also called Truth or Dare the same year. There was, you mm-hmm. know, kind of a trashy supernatural slasher and it rocked compared to this. Yeah, I've had I had a lot of fun uh joking with my friends about the fact that technically speaking, at one time there were two separate movies, both called Truth or Dare, in production at the same time. And I adore that. And since just don't watch this movie, but it has the most offensive character shift I have ever seen in a movie. Um, to like, 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 just the movie opens with the main character literally shooting a promotional video to encourage people to come do uh, not Doctors Without Borders, um, Habitat for Humanity, Habitat for Humanity, Habitat for Humanity. Instead of getting drunk at Spring Bake, which was just just. Let's think about that as a character for a moment. What kind of person makes that video? <laughs> and the movie ends with them 
directly, purposefully being responsible for maybe millions of death deaths, maybe millions. Right. So once again, this and, is another Blumhouse film that's ripping uh, off elements of the ring really badly. And I apologize for, for a little, for a spoiler in there because I'll admit there is, but don't, it, it's five years old or two years old. Don't watch it. Uh, evil, but, revengeful spirit yes. wants people to play truth or dare. But once you do, uh, it's going to come for you. But the deal is if you do it to someone else and tell someone else truth or dare, it delays it and pushes it back. So you're like, oh, well, you bought yourself some time. So. Except not scary, not good gore, really bad characters, really boring terrible fucking movie i don't know <laughs> there's so many better movies they could have put in the set even i, I mean even yeah. looking back at their older films i'm like why these and it's because yeah, because they had to shove the some good ones yes. in here and they had to sh and they filled up the rest with all the shit they couldn't get rid of <laughs> yeah pretty much you hit the nail on the head your theory holds water because they truly picked like the worst like a couple of good ones and then everything else is the worst version of what they could have picked well i mean there's a lot of filler there's a lot of stuff in here that there's some stuff in here that's popular that i didn't care for as much like the next one is the visit which is the m night Shyamalan film which a lot of people thought was his first good movie in years is m night deciding well i'm gonna do this whole found footage thing that everyone else is doing right now and it's hansel and gretel a modern day take on that with these uh this brother and sister who live with their single mom and estranged from her parents. But she basically, her grandparents find the grandchildren online and say, why don't you come out to our farm? Uh, your mother's going out of town. So why don't you come out and stay with us? And they go out there. She's like, Oh, I'll make a documentary about this and start seeing some weird shit that's going on at Nana and pop pops house. And before you know it, someone is getting hit in the face with a full diaper. Yeah. I didn't watch this movie. I know enough about what happens from when it was coming out. It's I, I have heard people say it's a good thing and they like it, but I don't need to see a diaper in the face in my life. I'm okay without that. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, it, it's like 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, so there was an awful lot of people who really did not care for it either. I think a lot of the positive reviews were those mixed positives where you're like, why did you pick positive Rotten Tomatoes or why did you pick fresh? I don't know who can say I, I did not find this enjoyable at all. I really had a hard time getting into it. I certainly know people who don't feel that way. It's there. Your results are going to vary. <laughs> Horror is very subjective. I just thought it was kind of gross and very predictable. And I'd rather watch lady in the water. And that was not oh. a good movie. <laughs> no, it was not. At least that one's absurdly bad. This one was just kind of by you, the numbers. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of legitimately like the next Shyamalan movie we're going to talk about. All right. Well, yeah. there'll be... Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I know that I'm in the minority. So well, they have also put, because it's Blumhouse, a uh, split on here, which yeah. was um, Shyamalan's kind of backdoor Justice League pilot. But basically it tells the story of a character with, I think, seven different personalities played amazingly by James McAvoy. That's the one thing uh, I'll give this movie. Yeah. Is James McAvoy is terrific. In it. Just phenomenal. And a, he is, he's basically a zookeeper or a worker at a zoo and he lives there. And so he's very antisocial. And one of his personalities 
basically kind of likes to kill people. And so he goes out and he captures people and tortures them because he's a serial killer. And so the movie focuses around uh, a group of girls who he captures and their their journey with him. Uh, most, most notably the the wonderful and and really sort of singular Anya Taylor Joy that I'm who, like yeah you, you can be in better movies than this but every young actress has to do a horror movie you know this it's is like a where I, or something this is where I first saw her uh, was oh, in this movie you hadn't seen the Vavitch yet uh, no well oh shit you know what you're right I lied I had seen the Vavitch mm. um, but yeah like it, I. This is basically a suspense thriller that slowly kind of connects at the very, very, very tail end and some little half reference shot um, to uh, the much, much, much better Unbroken. Uh, Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Yeah. There we go. Um, but I, I mostly enjoy this movie. It's a fun thriller. I like this kind of movie. And even though I despise where he went with next, um, I think Unbreakable and this are kind of a nice duology for me. Look, I think that this is not a great film. I think it's got great some great ideas in it. I love this idea that one of his his last personality, which they like threaten before you finally see it, the Beast actually has superhuman capabilities it's, that is that is well done that is yeah awesome. it is well done it's pretty cool I, although i felt they could have gone farther with it than they did it's still pretty well done in here uh anna taylor joy is really good in it but i just didn't buy it and it went on too late it's just back and forth too long and it's it's basically just a acting reel for James McAvoy and an impressive one at that, but it feels like it's just treading water through most of it. So he gets a chance to like play with himself in front of the camera. Uh, I, I did not really not... care for it. I, it was the best thing Shyamalan had done probably since unbreakable in my opinion, but that's not saying shit. Points of uh, clarification and... though. McAvoy does not play with himself in the same way. that <laughs> no, Giuliani not, did. not, not in the like, sense of masturbation, uh, unless you're talking about acting as masturbation, which is what I was saying. But this led into Glass, which ties together Unbreakable and this into one movie. And that is really fucking terrible. It's horrible. Yeah, I don't. Horrible. Although I know people you know, who love it. That's I, not in the set. Let me just I, I'm going to say, though, I, I really wish Shyamalan would start directing movies that he didn't write the script for. And I know that I guess he's able to pick his scripts and good for him. More power to him. But I think that. All, most of his issues end up being in the scripting phase. And I think that somebody else could really turn him into a great filmmaker. So next we have Ma, which is directed by Tate Taylor, who's one of those directors, like, you keep almost making good films, but you just don't quite get there. Like, The Help, you know? I mean, obviously a lot of people loved it, but it hasn't aged well at all, even though it just came out in 2011. Or the James Brown, uh, Channing, uh, uh, Chadwick Bosman film, Get On Up, which is... It's good. It's decent. It, it, and honestly, his trend continues. Yeah. Well, yeah. this film, Ma, stars Octavia Spencer, again, working with her again. And I liked this film a lot, actually, because it did defy expectations of how a villain acts in these type of films. This is a bunch of teenagers who end up with this local person, played by her, who, who they just say, just call me Ma. She's a veterinary technician. She's like, sure, I'll I'll buy you some booze. Like, no problem. I was a kid once, too. 
but she ends up going like, oh, you know what? I'm a little worried about you. I felt a little bad about this. Why don't y'all, I've got a basement. It's all set up. You guys and your friends can come party down there anytime you want. As long as you're not out drinking and driving, I, I feel safer about it. So, you know, it, it turns her into like everyone loves her. All the teenagers in the town are like, oh, she's great. Well, of course, things start to turn bad because Ma is psychologically unbalanced and yada, yada, yada. But I really liked it, liked Octavia Spencer in here. I really liked what they did with her character and that she's not just this flaming out psychotic. She's actually an interesting layered type of character. And I thought that made this much more interesting. A lot of people thought this was kind of dull, but it worked for me. See, I, I, I mostly agree with you. It's just that I don't think I really vibe with the execution as much. Like, I think Octavia Spencer is great in this. I think the idea of what they were trying to do is a great idea. Um, I, I ended up, I think, having a hard times with the with the book of Jobness that she was experiencing for a while. Um, it was just like, I don't know, I felt too much for her character and felt bad. I was like, no, oh, you're killing people now. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, it was, it was good. It was just, it was okay. It was fine. It I was think fine. there's one thing we've all learned from horror movies. Teenagers are bad and deserve to die. Agree, they suck. <laughs> we're, we're sorry to the youth who listen to us. Yes, except for those guys. Uh, the next film in the set is decidedly one of the two best films in the set. Like I'd say decidedly the best film in the set, and that is the Get best. Out, the 2017 Jordan Peele film. This is obviously one of the, the gotcha films in the set. You're like, ooh, I don't have that, and it comes with all these other films. I mean, this is great stuff. It was, I remember being nervous about it because... I really like Key and Peele. I really like Jordan Peele specifically. I wanted this to be good, but I'm like, comedian turns to horror. It's not the first time that it's happened. Sometimes it's been bad. Sometimes it's been good. This concept, I really want to work. And wow, it worked much crazily huger than I ever could have imagined. Yeah. Get Out was a a sensation. I don't think any of us were ready for how good of a horror filmmaker uh, he would end up being. Yeah. Just yeah, holy crap! This is one of those fair one of those rare movies that's. I'm sure I can nitpick it, but it's it's basically flawless. It's like almost a perfect movie. It's phenomenal. It, it's funny as hell. It's kind of scary and creepy, and it makes really insightful social commentary. It's absurd if you go into any and if you go into this film thinking, "Oh well, that couldn't happen." What are you yeah, doing? it's not about that. It's, it's, it's an absurd premise, but it works because of what it's actually talking about. One of the things I said that I defended Antebellum with, but whatever, nobody wants to hear that. Ooh, I'm <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. And, and I mostly agree with you in movies. Like, we have a pretty similar taste. So I'm intrigued if I'm going to be like that third person who's like, yeah, see, I, Not I, third, I, I know it. a few others. <laughs> I think there's like five or six of us. I've now. seen one other person. <laughs> so, but this also introduced everyone uh, in a much bigger way to Daniel Kaluuya, who has since turned into a much bigger actor. He was already on the British show Skins, which is a huge fucking huge show hit. over there. <laughs> and he was in the second episode of Black Mirror too. Yeah. So, but this was his big breakout. Where oh my god, household name. For yeah. this guy and just had such a great cast other than that. Allison Williams from Girls, Bradley Whitford, who's amazing in everything that he ever does. Caleb Landry Jones, also an early film for him. Stephen Root, Lakeith Stanfield. I mean, come on. I mean, Catherine Keener, Lil Ray Howery. This film's great. If you haven't seen it yet, 
What are you doing? Watch it. Go see it. What are you doing? What are you waiting for? I mean, unless you're like, well, you're not listening to us if you're one of the MAGA hat wearing guys. So unless you're one of those people, then you should have watched this by now. There should be nothing keeping you from doing it. You know how we feel about Boy Next Door and Truth or Dare. Uh, And let me say this. This set is worth buying to own this movie. Yeah. I would argue it is also worth owning to buy the final film we're going to talk about in this set, which is the tremendously underrated film Happy Death Day, which is the inevitable meeting of Teenage Slasher and Groundhog's Day, because we are going to fuse Groundhog's Day into every possible other genre plot scenario that exists, goddammit, and this is the time for Teenage Slasher. We all knew, knew that going into this, and we went, all right, fine, let's do this. And then it was really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. This is just like Get Out where I went into this, like not at all expecting to fall madly in love with all the characters, with the humor. This movie is tight, funny. It's not scary at all because kind of a horror, but basically uh, it tells the story of a girl who she, this woman wakes up in a strange dorm room. She's maybe slept with a weird guy. She doesn't know heads home runs into the gamut of random unique very memorable encounters that you do in these kinds of movies and then is promptly murdered and holy shit then she wakes up in the bed again with the guy goes through the same steps and is murdered again and the at movie least, basically at, at, at least they're not playing i got you babe i was thankful true. for that that's true <laughs> but it, it just tracks her slowly trying to find out who her murderer is what's going on how to stop the time loop strangely this movie is also one where i think the sequel is better but this is still a great movie too i kind of wish they had put both on there like they should have taken out boy next door and truth or dare and put the other two purge movies and uh happy death day 2 on this uh i go back and forth whether i like this or the sequel better it's amazing about the sequel is which i don't remember i can't even think of an example of a horror movie that's so drastically change the entire genre of film for a sequel that can directly connects to the first one. Cause this starts with the last film left off left off. And the first film is groundhog's day slasher film. The second one is back to the future Two slasher film. Yeah. And it's insane. Like, there are people who don't like the second film at all. And I know people who only like the second film and, and don't like the first film, but I think they're both great and just so much fun. And I love the fact is, you know, it's not really a spoiler, a spoiler for a joke is the last scene in here is her and her boyfriend. They're talking about everything they've been through. And he's like, it's so weird. It's like that movie Groundhog's Day. And she's like, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> she's never heard of it. She's like, what? No, you must have heard of Groundhog's Day, which is a great little like, because you're always going in movies like this. Like when people encounter zombies, you're like, you must know to shoot them in the head. (laughs) There's like 8 million zombie movies and TV shows. And this film acknowledges the existence of the film that it's absorbing. Like, honestly, almost my only problem with this movie is that it didn't get a third movie. I wanted another one. And I forget there was actually a real part of the reason the second film did not perform as well as they were hoping for it to, which is a real shame because I... I'm really like, why isn't there more people talking about how great that movie is and how cool and inventive and, you know, I mean, what's happening? But they've said they have a full idea for a third movie, which also will reinvent it again, but continue on from where it left off. But as of the last time in 2019, when it sounded like it was going to go into development, they said, no, it is not. But in September this year, he confirmed a third film is in active development with 
the lead actress returning, and it will be tentatively called Happy Death Day to Us. So, hooray! Oh, my God. Oh. I know, right? You, I know. I, I think you might make me cry a little bit. No, Just a I little got, bit of cry. I got the vapors. I got, I got verklempt. I mean, if the, third, <laughs> if the third one knocks out of the park the way the first two did, or is even better... I don't even know what to do, man. It's, it's like just like they put it on the list of truly great trilogies. Yeah, that, we like, we have a new holy trilogy. Yeah, like whoa, a horror holy trilogy. I don't think there is a holy trilogy of horror. They all have like eight. And I'll tell you this about Jason Blum, who runs Blumhouse Studios. He pumps out a lot of stuff just like based on numbers and stats. But when he knows that he's got something, like that, he'll let the create. He'll hire the right creatives and he'll let them run with it. He doesn't always know what's going to like you watch a fantasy island, which came out from them and it's terrible, but it's not terrible in a way that's lazy. You can see they're trying to do something really different and inventive with it. You could have seen how that could have been a, a successful, huge beginning of a franchise. It's not. It's awful. Don't watch it. But <laughs> you can see. I'm not going to lie. You have me really intrigued like, now. Do what you want to do, man. And they, for this creator of these films, Christopher Landon, he's like, man, I trust you. Just make the movie. God, I hope so. Yeah, me too. So yes, I think overall, we both come down on the side of the set with The Purge, Ouija, Unfriended, The Boy Next Door, The Visit, Split, Get Out, Happy Death Day, Truth or Dare, and Ma is ultimately kind of worth it. It, you know, brand new on Amazon. It's like 65 bucks right now, which is pretty good for 10 yeah. big studio films. And I'm sure it'll drop even more if if you decide to wait. But yeah, it's not bad. I'm glad I have it. Yeah, I, I'm glad I got to watch these movies. You know, ultimately, even the ones that were terrible, I'm glad I saw them. Yeah. Well, let's finish out with, you know what? You pick one of the four remaining. Oh, otherwise, the, the rest will go to the flip over to the next episode. You know what? I, I, I think we're just going to have to go in order because the next one, uh, not the strong finish I think you were expecting me to pick, uh, instead is uh, Orlando Bloom's new movie. Uh, retaliation. Okay. Uh, where he plays a man who is he is suffering from some trauma in his past that has left him horribly, horribly messed up in the head. Uh, he doesn't have any real relationships or friendships. He <laughs> has a long term relationship with a woman who he will not get close to or even face when they have sex. Um. He also kind of rapes himself at yeah. night occasionally. Yeah. yeah. And um, he also clearly has a real problem with religious figures yeah. and religious iconography. Which which we learn pretty soon into the movie, sort of wise. He meets a guy at a bar who doesn't really meet him, but he sees him across the room and has this visceral reaction. And it ends up that whatever happened in his past, um, this man is directly involved. And, and as the movie goes on, we kind of follow the girlfriend uh, as well as a buddy of his who he drinks with and works with. And then Orlando himself, you find out that essentially he was one of those many unfortunate people who were raped by priests as a kid. And it has royally destroyed him. And it's, it bills itself as being this revenge thriller. To a point that going into this movie, I thought this was a low-budget Orlando Bloom action film. Yeah, it's literally called Retaliation. Yeah, it, it is It is not. By the there way, is... it was the third movie to come out the same year 
that was called Retaliation from the same studio. What the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> but like, there's no action in this. There's no violence. It's about a man dealing with this pain of being sexually assaulted as a child and had the ramifications that has in your life. Now, about 85% of that I was on board with. Um, it wasn't what I expected, but like once I reframed myself to what the movie was, I was into it. And then the movie makes a choice with how it wants to go with, with basically how that guilt, how he processes everything and the climax of the movie. And it ends up coming across like uh, it's telling people who survive sexual assault that they need to forgive their uh, attackers. And I know. I went, therefore, movie... therefore cosmic justice will occur. Yeah, I and was like, was this produced by the Catholic church? Like, so my wife was watching this movie with me and she slowly, well, see one became more and more impressed with uh, Orlando Bloom's acting because he legitimately does put in a good performance here. Yep. Like, like it should be said, he actually does show that he has chops. I wish that he could be in a better movie, but this movie legitimately pissed off my wife. She was frothing at the mouth because it was like, how effing dare this movie uh, basically say, it's okay that you were raped. You should forgive them. And then like the universe will find a way to make justice happen. And I, I get that. I get yeah, that maybe he'll a, get elected to president of the United States. <laughs> like I get from a character standpoint, like I can see someone being completely oblivious to, to what this is saying and just being like, yeah, like let's just forget about all the issues of the world and yeah for this character in this moment he needs to forgive so they can move on past the anger but movies mean something bitch and like what is being endorsed in this movie is not okay no <laughs> so, it's not and it will make you i can't imagine who would this movie not make mad and not in the way the director's intended yeah. don't, how could you get to the end of this film and not be like fuck you yeah you know? everyone like here, I don't know how this is possible, but it manages to be a movie that will piss off both people who have been assaulted and people who assault people. Yeah. Like somehow <laughs> it would piss off both of those groups. I I mean, I don't want to take credit away from Orlando Bloom. Like he doesn't get a lot of offers to be the, the top banana in films anymore because he's one of those guys post Lord of the Rings. They keep trying and his movies keep not making money, so slowly he's been moving down the ladder till he's taking little imperfect indie films like this. But he wants to do everything he can with it. And he does unquestionably prove that he has acting chops here to be able to cover a wide range of emotions. And, and he is good. It's a remarkable showcase for his skills, but not a remarkable showcase for the scripting. No, it's just, it's weird to be at a moment where, like, I remember making fun of him a lot when he had Lord of the Rings and then moved right from Lord of the Rings into Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, he had Shia LaBeouf syndrome for a few years there where it was like, yes, you're pretty, but you, you can't act yet. And, well, I mean, and he was ridiculously pretty. Like yeah. Shia LaBeouf was like, I'll give him rugged. <laughs> okay, <maybe."> fine. But <laughs> Shia LaBeouf Bloom said, was like one of the guys who's so pretty, we could be forgiven for <laughs> unusual feelings that we made. Shia LaBeouf said, no, 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 really well. Um, <laughs> But he is somehow turned into a really great actor. Like I, I, I really want to see Orlando Bloom in something else where he can use his talents in a good movie where it's actually going to something worthy other than this. I don't know what this is. Yeah, he's definitely capable more. He's just, 
I, get, I don't know if he just has a bad agent. I keep seeing him pop up and stuff where you're like, oh, this looks promising, and then it's not. I've it's seen not him good. in a lot of VOD stuff that was okay yeah. this year. Well, I mean, he like, seems to have fully transitioned. Uh, that military film, The yep. Outpost, which we ended up both really enjoying, but yeah. he's barely in it. Like, his agent said, no, 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 it's fine. It's just, like, direct to VOD. We'll get you out of there. Like, you'll be on set for, like, a week, and then you're gone. You know what? And, it, like, he, sh- if he, he should fire the agent because he should have been there the whole time. And he would have gotten more credit for being in a good movie, but no, only partial credit. Maybe if we're lucky, this is the start of Orlando Bloom as the VOD star, and he's going to start turning out some fun movies. Yeah. I, I hope we get to see more of the Orlando Bloom. We get to see Just... Orlando Bloom. Aww. Like a flower. <laughs> exactly. There are a few extra features here. There's an audio commentary from the directors, uh, the Shamasian brothers. And there is... A brutality and honesty for 21 minutes, which is sort of an EPK talking with everyone who's involved with it. Uh, honesty, which is a short film sort of prequel to the movie, which is in this as well. You know, I I think there is no way that you should be allowed to get away with a film that is this rude to survivors of sexual abuse, especially from this organization that still hasn't really paid for what they've done and what they've allowed to happen the way that this does. It's... You you don't get to to preach the Bible at me as a defense for sexual abuse. You just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Boo. But boo this movie. Hooray for Aaron. That's not peanut butter whittle. That's Papa Bear whittle. Just so you get it right. Hello from glorious Austin, Texas. Papa Bear. Hello. (laughs) and you know you can tell by what i'm saying like pick a movie so we'll be back relatively soon with yet more movies i may need to give you more movies just to fulfill the the slate for the next one i don't he's like wait i can accept that (laughs) when's the other guy's turn uh but our pick of the week is i think as you've already guessed the elephant man yeah, actually, I was sitting here, let me look through the list. Yes, absolutely, The Elephant Man. Absolutely. The Elephant Legitimately Man. the best movie and such a great set. Go Criterion. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Send stuff Criterion. to Criterion. And don't forget, Agronautics. Hello. Yay. Call me a poop on you. A poop on you. A poop on you. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you've been <laughs> hanging around with toddlers so long that, you, oh that now one can amuse you the same way you amuse a toddler. You're like, oh, and who's got the poopy? Who's well, got the poopy? It's it's funny. Allen's got the poopy. You were talking about poop on stage, and my first thought's like, eh, I mean, I've cleaned up poop off the floor. It happens. <laughs> Shit happens. It, it does indeed when you're a dad. It shouldn't happen to you as a full-grown adult when you're going to see a show. Hey, that's what you deal with. When you go to a punk rock show, I guess so. Only at this one, though. I swear you'll be safe if you go see uh, oh, the Bottle Surfers. What? What? <laughs> go get me hands. All right, we're out of here. Love y'all. <laughs>